0: Thanks for listening to the Journey podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. Well, welcome to Journey. My name is Andy Stickle. We wanna say thank you for making us part of your day. Thank you for inviting us into your homes right now. Uh, You know, we're on on your phones, we're on your iPads, we're on your laptops. We wanna say thank you again for making us part of your weekend. Um, this, this has been a different time. It's different for all of us. This COVID virus, you know, we can get in a big argument and a big debate about it if we want to, but the truth is it's just changed everything the way we do right now, right? I mean, everything is different. We're all home a lot more, right? School looks a lot different than it used to. Work looks a lot different than it used to. Some of us are going through job transitions right now. Some of us are having to, to learn how to work from home. And so the biggest thing, the one commonality that we all have is that we are all home a lot more, And when you're home, guess what? You're home, all right? And so guess who lives with you at home? It's your kids, right? And your husbands, your wives, your spouses. And so now there's kind of this added stress because some of us are not used to being home this much. We're used to being out and about and doing different things and, you know, kind of doing our, our normal life that we don't get to do right now. And so being home kind of looks different for different people. And so, I have a couple of uncles. Um, you probably have uncles like this too. That they like they love to send me these emails with all kinds of different jokes and funny things in them and uh, different threads like that. So they sent me a couple of these that I thought would apply to our topic today. Because we're in you know we're in Sermon on the Mount. The, uh, sorry, from the Mount, and we're in week six, and we have a, a really a difficult topic. I think. I think the whole. If you want to tell me, if you want me to tell you the truth, I think the whole series, the whole sermon. It's just really, really difficult. It's really, really ultimate and extreme statements. And so this is a hard topic. So I kinda wanted to lighten the mood a little bit. Now, trust me, I don't, I don't wanna make fun of the virus, but let's talk about our houses a little bit. So here we go. This is his idea of being home. This is my idea. He's gonna do Netflix and chill, right? Hang out on the couch, a little bit of cuddle time. Her idea. Let's gut the house. Let's start over. Let's tear the walls down. Let's you know change the carpet, buy new furniture. Some of y'all probably going through this, right? Let's hey, it's a great time to redo the kitchen, right? It's a great time to redo the bathroom. That's her idea. His idea is to hang out. How about this one? This I love this one. It says thoughts and prayers going out to all of the married men who spent months telling his wife, "I'll do that when I get time," right? I mean that one. That's always our kind of standby excuse. You know, when I get time, when I get time, I'll handle that. Well, guess what? We've all have nothing but time. How about this one? This one I thought was pretty funny too. How long is this social distancing distancing thing supposed to last? My husband keeps trying to get in the house, right? I mean, how how long do we really have to do the social distancing thing? Because he keeps trying to get in here. I I need some space. I need my space back, right? Because we're used to, like I said, going our different directions and doing different things. How about this one? It says, be good to your spouse. Remember right now they could poison you and it would be counted as a COVID death. Again, I'm not trying to make fun of the situation. I understand how serious it is. But it is, you know, when you think about a husband and wife being together, it's, it's a little bit stressful. There's, there's different things that could happen. How about this one? Uh, I read this one last night. It says, it's been a blessing being home with my wife for three weeks now. We've caught up on everything that I've done wrong for the last 15 years, right? So anybody feel like that? Anybody feel like you know, this has been a great time to kind of catch up on the last 15 years? How about this one? I said, I, oh yeah, a friend of mine sent me this one. He said, uh, quarantine day six. My wife is getting out, getting the garden ready. Not sure what she's planting. Maybe it's potatoes or something. I'm not sure. Kind of a little joke there. And then my last one, this last one I think is the favorite. Uh, Day two without sports. Found a young lady sitting on my couch yesterday. Apparently she's my wife. She seems nice. You may have seen that one. You may have seen some of those because they've kind of all been going around, right? I mean, it's hard a little bit to be at home because we're just, we're just not used to it. Well, Like I said, we're going to continue this Sermon on the Mount. And this Sermon on the Mount, you got to understand, let me kind of paint the picture of this whole thing. It's on the Mount, obviously, so there's a mountain involved. In my mind, I'm kind of picturing Jesus sort of at the bottom, and there's a hill in front of him, and everybody is sitting in different spots on the hill, which is great because it's kind of like an amphitheater effect. It gives a chance for his voice to project, and everybody can hear what he's saying. But you got to remember, he's going through so many different topics, and going through them so fast. And making these ultimate like extreme statements. If you were with us last week, I mean, you heard you're supposed to gouge your eye out and cut your hand off. And people will be like, wait, what? You know, how, how is that possible? And so this crowd of people is gathered around and Jesus is going through all this teaching. He's going really, really fast. And it's gotta feel like drinking through a fire hose because it's just, it's just coming. He's just going and going and going. And here's the thing you got to understand, because really the crowd that he was speaking to is not unlike our crowd today. You know, you're in your living rooms, you're in your houses, you're watching on your phone, your iPad, your laptop, but everybody's story is different, right? I mean, we all come from different backgrounds. We come from, you know, different histories, different cultures, different belief systems. You grew up with a different childhood. So we all have sort of a different sense of of who we are and where we are in life. Well, this crowd is not unlike that. This crowd is very similar to that. Um, every time Jesus would speak, the, the crowd would grow. There would be disciples, right? His close followers. They're the ones that, you know, they'd kind of figured out maybe this guy's from God and he you know, he invited us to follow him. So we got to go with him. We got to see what he's going to say next. We got to learn. Then there were some uh, followers or maybe kind of just on the outside of the disciples. They were kind of like, you know, really, really interested, thought he might be a rabbi, thought he might be a teacher, you know, kind of kept following, kept listening. There would be Jewish people there. I mean, there were probably people in the crowd that like knew Mary and Joseph, that like grew up with Mary and Joseph. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, Mary's kid is, is preaching again. Let's go hear what Mary's kid has to say. You know, because they, they grew up in the area. I mean, they knew him. He, he was the Nazareth, you know, the kid from Nazareth. So there were people, you know, there, and the Jewish people, always, 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 there were some sick and unhealthy people in the crowd. There were some sick people there that were just like, God, if I could just get close enough. You know, if I could just if i could just touch jesus or maybe if jesus would just see me and touch me maybe he could heal me maybe he could you know this physical ailment this limb deformity or you know unable to walk or or maybe a skin condition a skin disease i mean if jesus could just if he could just reach down into my life maybe he could maybe he could do something maybe he could heal me there were always sick and unhealthy people in the crowd sometimes there were gentiles on the edge of the crowd and gentiles and jews they didn't mix but gentiles kind of got on the edge of the crowd because a lot of the stuff Jesus was saying, he was saying, you know, this is is all men. This is all mankind. And so the Gentiles would be like, "Well, well, wait a minute, all? I mean, does that mean all? Like all like us? And so they might be on the edge of the crowd also trying to hear this truth, hear this statement, hear what he's talking about. And then every single time there was a large crowd, there was a group of religious leaders on the edge. A group of religious leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, And they were on the edge of the Sermon on the Mount. They were taking notes. What is Jesus talking about? And the reason they were there was not to learn and not to grow in their knowledge, not to get a deeper faith or deeper understanding of God. They were there because they wanted to catch Jesus in a trap. They wanted to catch Jesus in a contradiction against the law of Moses. These guys were the religious leaders. They knew the law backwards and forwards. They had gotten, you know, God gave the law to Moses. Moses wrote it down. They remembered it. They had it in their hearts. They kind of knew, that, or in their brains at least, they understood it. And they had leveraged this law to their benefit. So they're always in the crowd. They were always taking notes. They were always listening. As Jesus goes through all these difficult topics, and these really, really hard things to talk about. And so our topic today is really difficult, honestly. And it may step on some toes, but please just stay with me to the end, I promise. Okay. It's, it's, uh, let me Give me a chance to, to land this plane at the end, okay? I promise it's gonna land well for all of us. <clears throat> so here we go. Remember, Jesus has just told everybody that, you know, if you you lust, you got to gouge your eye out. You got to cut your hand off if it sins. All this kind of, these big statements, right? So here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. It says, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. Okay? Now, when Jesus said that, everybody in the crowd, no matter where you came from, They nodded their head. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yep, if you want to divorce your wife, you give her a certificate and you send her on her way. Yep, everybody agrees with that. No problem there, right? Okay, sure. Then Jesus raises the bar. Verse 32, but I tell you, but I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, when you read that, when I read that, I think, you know, you might have the same reaction I have. I'm thinking, whoa, wait a second, hang on, time out, Jesus, time out, time out, time out. I mean, that, that's, that's not how adultery works. You, Jesus, I, you obviously don't understand adultery because when, when you get divorced I and mean, you get the piece of paper, you know, and you're divorced, that marriage is over. So you, know, you can't, you, Jesus, you must be mistaken here. I, I think if they could have, like, stopped him, they would have been like, listen, that... That's not how adultery works, Jesus. You, you, you got it backwards, you got it confused because I, got, I have the piece of paper that tells me I'm divorced. And Jesus looks at me and he looks at you and he would look at them and say, no, you don't understand how marriage works. You don't understand how marriage works. It's, it's bigger than a piece of paper. And so Jesus goes on with the rest of the Sermon on the Mountain. He Again, like he covers these huge major topics. We're going to continue through it uh, over the next couple of weeks. And he makes these extreme statements. And then he finishes up at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And He goes on. And so now, this is a couple, couple weeks later, a couple chapters later, at least in the book of Matthew. We're going to go forward to Matthew 19. These words land in different places for this crowd. Again, remember, these crowds are made up of all kinds of different backgrounds, just like you guys. Just like in your living rooms right now, we come from all different backgrounds. So when this, this stuff that he's saying, it lands differently for each of us. But the truth is still the truth. So here we go, Matthew nineteen. Um, another scene has happened. Another situation has happened. Jesus has done some other teaching right at the end of uh, Matthew eighteen, and then here he goes, Matthew nineteen. So we're going to go to verse one. He says. <clears throat> When Jesus had finished saying these things, like I said, he had just, done, just uh, taught somewhere else. He left Galilee and he went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Now hold right here just for a second, quick sidebar. I love the Bible because the people that were writing it, they, didn't, they weren't writing the Bible with you and me in mind. They weren't writing this thinking that it was gonna be read 2000 years later. They were writing it specifically. So oftentimes when we read these different stories, these different events, these different things that happen, they're so specific, go back to verse one, they're so specific They're so specific. Oh, he left Galilee. Okay, yeah, I know where that is. He went into the region of Judea. Yep, I know where that is. And the other side of the Jordan. So the people that would read this would be like, oh yeah, okay. I know exactly where that was. I know know where that happened. You know, just went by there the other day. So it's so specific the way that is. That's just a little detail that I like. Okay, verse two. Large crowds followed him. Once again, a big crowd, lots of different types of people. And he healed them there. Again, sick, unhealthy people. Just please, Jesus, would you touch me? Please, would you just reach your hand into my life? Could you just please, please make a difference for me? And then here we go. Verse three, some Pharisees, here they come. They came to test him, not to learn, not to grow in their knowledge, not to get a better understanding of God. They came to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? You see, they had taken notes on what Jesus said before. And they had gone back and studied the, the, the law of Moses. And then this little group, this side group of Pharisees, some of them had decided, okay, let's get him. We got him. We can pin Jesus against the law of Moses because we can, we'll just ask him the question, look, is it lawful for a man to divorce for any and every reason, right? And that'll, that'll pin him because they, they think they've got a plan. They think they know how to, get, how to catch him in a contradiction. But Jesus knows their hearts. He knows where they're going with this. So he, he responds to them verse four, verse four. Now listen to this. He says, haven't you read this group of men he's talking to are the most well-read group of people in the whole area. These men have spent their entire lives reading the law and learning the law and studying the law. So it's almost like kind of insulting for Jesus to tell them, listen, haven't you read? Well, of course they've read. They know the law of Moses. They know it backwards and forwards. They know it so well, they're able to, to leverage it for their own benefit. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? Jesus redirects the question. You know, they're asking a the question about here and now. Can I divorce my wife here and now? Can I give her a certificate and send her on her way? But Jesus knows their hearts. He takes them back to the beginning, He takes them back. To Genesis, uh, and he said, and said, "For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be, invite, uh, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh." You see, Jesus understands what they're trying to do. They're trying to pin him in the here and now, and they're trying to pin him in a spot where you know, hey, Jesus, isn't there a loophole we can get around the marriage? Isn't there a loophole? Isn't there some fine print in that contract? And there's a way for us to get out of of the marriage. We just, you know, write the certificate and send her on her way. But Jesus takes them back to the beginning. He redirects the question and goes back to the beginning, goes back to Genesis. He goes back to where it all began. And now this next next verse, I can't, I hope I can explain it deeply enough. How true this really is, how true. Awesome, this truth is that we don't all we don't always understand. Some of us it's just kind of a punchline at a wedding. But I want you to understand how important this next verse is. Verse 6. So they, the two, are no they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And for some of us in our living rooms right now, that sounds really, really familiar. Because we've heard that. Maybe we might have had that said at our wedding. Therefore, let God has joined together. Let no one separate. Usually it's at the end of the ceremony. You know, the pastor makes a big declaration and and announces the couple and everybody claps and cheers. And so oftentimes in the ceremony, in the wedding, we just kind of breeze past this. "What God has joined together. Let no one separate. But what Jesus was telling these Pharisees that were trying to trap him as fellas. You're asking for permission to do something that's not even possible. You want permission to write a certificate and send her on her way, fellas. You've asked God to join it together. Let no one separate it. You want permission. A loophole, a fine print in the contract. I want a way to get out of this. Fellas, it's, it's not possible. And that's why, for those of us, you know, you're in a second marriage, a third marriage, you've been through a divorce. My parents got divorced when I was 10 years old. And the marriage can be legally dissolved and it can be legally over and you can have the paperwork. But there's still a connection, there's still something, there's still an emotional, a spiritual connection to that person. Fellas, a marriage is not a contract, it's not signatures on a piece of paper. And then, you know, you get the judge to sign off on it and you put it in the courthouse. And a Marriage is not a piece of paper, and because a marriage is not a piece of paper, divorce is not a piece of paper either. It's deeper than that, it's bigger than that. Maybe you're a visual person. Maybe you need to see it. So here's, here's how I'm going to try and explain this for those of us that are visual. Let's pretend you have two eggs, right? You got two separate eggs. And then you just decide, well, I'm going to crack the egg and put my egg in here. And then another person puts their egg in there. And now two people have decided that they're going to put their eggs together. They're going to scramble them up, Right? Now wait a minute. Now I changed my mind. I I, I don't want to. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this bowl. I want to. I want to unscramble these eggs. Can't do it. I mean, you can ask for permission to unscramble the eggs, but it's it's not possible. They're scrambled now. They're together. They're connected. And Jesus paints the picture that listen, guys, it's marriage is not a contract. It's not a piece of paper. And because it's not a piece of paper, you can't dissolve it with another piece of paper. It's, it's all scrambled up now. And you can take the eggs, you could, you could split them up evenly and, and take, you know, take my, my part of the scrambled eggs out and I can take my, my scrambled eggs and, and put them in another bowl, but they're still scrambled eggs. They're still connected, they're still tied together. Fellas, it's not about permission. It, it's, not, it's not really possible. And then he goes on from there. Because the, So in my mind, the way this is going, he's, you know, he's kind of laid this out. God's joined this together. No one's gonna separate it. So in my mind, this isn't in the Bible. This is just me trying to picture how all this happened. You know, I picture the, the Pharisees kind of off on the side going, well, we were talking about right now. We were looking for loopholes here and now. We weren't really talking about you know, Genesis. He went the whole other direction. We weren't really ready for that. So I kind of picture them thinking, okay, now what do we do? What's the next question? How are we going to do it? And then I, you know, one of them kind of in the crowd in their little huddle going, okay, wait, wait, wait. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got the question. I'll pin Jesus down. I got this. And so Jesus, you know, is kind of waiting. And this is, again, this is just me trying to picture how this happened. And the another Pharisee steps up and says, all right, then, Jesus, we got you. Let's go on. Verse 7 verse 7 says why then they asked did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her on her way okay fine Jesus God joined them together you can't separate them fine we'll give you that but then why would God tell Moses to tell the people give your wife a certificate of divorce and send her on her way see God, God wouldn't have done that if he didn't if he didn't support divorce right God would not have commanded that a man do that. But remember I told you earlier, these religious leaders, they were really, really good at twisting the law and making it benefit them. They were really good at making, putting themselves in a leverage point where they looked like they were smarter than everybody else. And Jesus corrects them real quickly. Verse eight, Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. He didn't command you to do it. You've twisted the words. You've, you've Over time, you've changed it. Moses never commanded you to divorce your wives. He permitted you to do that. And he did that because your hearts were hard. And he knew in that time period, in that culture, those women needed protection. They needed a way to have protection in society. They had no standing. They had nowhere to go. A wife could wake up one day, a certificate of divorce on the table. Here you go, honey, pack your stuff and get out. And without that piece of paper, she had nowhere to go. She couldn't go back to her family. She couldn't go to her brother's house or her uncle's house. She would be stuck out on the streets without something to prove that she needed somewhere to go. And so Moses, he didn't command them to do it. He permitted them to write a certificate. And he did that to protect the women of that time. And they knew this. These religious leaders knew this. They knew that culture. They knew that time period. He finishes verse seven. He says, verse seven, there we go. He permitted you to device your wives because their hearts were hard. And he reminds them again, but fellas, it was not this way from the beginning. And you know this, you know Genesis. That's not how it was. That's not how it started out. Moses did that as a way to protect the women of that time period. And you know that. And then he goes back, verse nine, And Jesus reiterates what he said on the Sermon on the Mount. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. So he gives them, you know, he hits them with the truth one more time. And then I should have done this at the beginning, I kind of got off track there for a second. But the disciples, you know, Jesus' close followers, they're standing right there watching this whole thing happen. And Jesus is given a hard teaching. I mean, he's talking about how, you know, God joins something together that you, you can't separate. And the disciples, who are his closest followers, who believe and love Jesus with all their hearts, they're trying to, you know, to do his thing. The disciples watch this, this interaction happen, and their reaction is this. Verse 10, it says, the disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and a wife, it is better not to marry. Wow, if it's that deep, wait a minute. So hang on, a marriage is not a piece of paper. And so a divorce is not a piece of paper. If this is the situation between a husband and a wife, maybe it's better not to marry at all. And that's the reaction of his closest followers. Those are the guys that, that knew him the best, knew him the most. They'd seen this kind of stuff happen all the time. And this is hard. And it's hard because there's a lot of us that have come from all kinds of different backgrounds. We come from all kinds of different histories and cultures and different belief systems. Some of us have you know, scrambled our eggs once or twice or maybe three times. Some of us grew up in a house where your the eggs were scrambled and they tried to separate them and it just didn't really work out that way, right? And so this, this kind of makes it really difficult because now you know, some of us are standing here thinking, well, okay, well, now where do I stand with the church then? I mean, where do I stand with God? I mean, if it's been joined together and you can't separate it, and then I went on and got divorced, you know, where do I stand with God? And the answer is you stand right here next to me, you stand with the church. You stand with all the rest of us in need of God's grace. All the rest of us that need God's grace. Those of you that are on your first marriage and you're kind of breathing easy going, oh, we got off easy today, honey. We were on our first marriage. No, no. Because just last week we talked about lust and how all it takes is looking, right? You're standing up here with us too. In need of God's grace, in need of God's grace, Grace and mercy to move. Here, here's the real quick way to explain grace. This is the expectation or the standard. This is the, the results, this is what happens. And then there's a gap. And what do we put in that gap? What do we need to fill that gap? We need God's grace to fill that gap. Jesus raised the bar on marriage. He raised the bar on divorce. It was, they thought it was down here and you could write a certificate whenever you wanted and send your wife on her way. That's where they thought the bar was. Jesus raises the bar. And now all of them are like right here. And now there's a gap. And there's a gap in our houses too. There's a gap in our living rooms. There's a gap. What do we put in that gap? You stand with the church. First marriage, second marriage, third marriage, doesn't matter. You stand in need of God's grace just like the rest of us. You stand with the church. And maybe it's hard because you're thinking, okay, well, you know, I was looking for a loophole or I was looking for a contract or looking for a, you know a way to get out of it. I do a lot of coaching in the area different sports, different levels with kids. and um, So I've followed a lot of different coaches on, on Twitter and whatnot. And there's a lot of you know, quote, quotes going on right now because there's coaches that are, can't be with their teams and we're all separated and trying to figure out how to handle this. And one of the coaches, and I wish I could remember who it was. I'd give him credit, but I, I don't, honestly don't remember who it was. The coach... His quote was real simple because we're all separated right now. We can't be with our team. We can't be with our athletes. We can't be with our students. And his quote was just be where your feet are. Just be where your feet are. Wherever this lands with you, wherever this lands in your living room, in your house, you might be someone who has not married yet. You're still an egg. You still, you haven't scrambled your eggs and that's great. That's fine. That's fine. And if that's you, realize a marriage is not a piece of paper. It's not a contract that you get signed and you, you, know, you get the judge to sign off and you turn, off, turn it in at the courthouse. It's bigger than that, it's deeper than that. It means more than that. And because a marriage is more than that, then a divorce is not a piece of paper either. This lands in a lot of different places for all of us. But no matter where it lands, we all need God's grace. We all need God to move. We all need God to reach down into our lives. Just like those sick or unhealthy people that were in the crowd that were just praying, God, please, please reach down. Please touch me. That's me. That's you. That's all of us. God, please reach down and touch us with your grace and your mercy. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you. And God, this, this is really, really hard. This is tough teaching. The Sermon on the Mount is like drinking from a fire hose because it is a lot and it comes over and over and over and it's these ultimate extreme truths. And this one lands in a lot of different places, No, you know, depending on where we come from, depending on our histories. It lands in our living rooms right now. But God, I just pray that each of us would just be where our feet are. Just be where your feet are, God. And we would invite you, invite your grace, invite your mercy into our marriages. That we all stand together. We all stand together. We're all in this together. We're all in need of God's mercy. We're in need of your grace. No matter where this lands for each of us, God. pray that you give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we heard, God. Let our hearts be open to it. Let our minds be open to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at journeycommunity.net.